fixated persons unit. I'm Jezebel. And all my apes gone! I'm Claire. And all my apes gone? I'm Goldie. And all my apes gone. (laughs) And with that, we are doing Ape Escape. Welcome to the pod, everyone. Hello. Yes. How's it going? Ah, not too bad, not too bad. Oh, good, you know. All my apes are gone. Yeah. Oh, shit, bro. <laughs> yeah, They've escaped, don't you know? They have. So, today, yeah, we're, we're visiting our first ever game. Video game. These confounded things that won't last a moment. Yes. They're a fad, I tells ya. They are. They're not. They won't make it past the, the least 1999. Valid, the least valid video game art. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm doing one of the last games ever released in the year of 1999. No, so, um... Old school PlayStation 1 games, big favourite of mine. And I guess one thing I've been thinking about, how do we introduce video games to this podcast? Because video games are long, usually, nowadays. Mm. Um, and a lot of the video games I like are just multiplayer online games, which are difficult to introduce to someone beyond play this game with me. Mm. Which we could do. But then but it's I, like, it's a Let's Play, it's not a podcast at that point. Yeah. Um, and just describing a Let's Play, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't feel... I don't know. You can't really talk about TF2 as a game for like as long as this podcast goes for. You can talk talk about about, TF2. You can talk about all the weird lore. And all the weird lore and all that kind of stuff. You can do that, but Mm. I don't... And that might be an idea, but it's not a video game. Um, My other option is Xenoblade X, which is... If, if the Mountain Book of the Fallen was turned into a RPG, (laughs) it would be that. Yeah, Yeah, um, it's... Xenoblade X is probably my favourite... JRPG ever and it's like it took me about 80 hours to finish probably not that then it's very mm. dense um, and I honestly don't think you would have fun playing it so mm. <laughs> there's that um, I'm, so I've been trying to think of all the different games that I like and the easiest thing I can think to do is go back in time and do a lot of the retro ones back when they made games not quite so big but better in some ways Condent- like condensed sp- specific like yeah. there's there's something to be said for having limited resources. Uh, that, like the genius of the original Pokemon being that we've got—I don't, don't know what the exact number is—but like 128 megabytes. How do we put a game yes. into that? How do we put yes. 150 Pokemon into that smaller space? We've got to be really creative. We've got to only put in what is necessary into this. We've got to be specific. And like this is late PS1, so uh, they've had a, had time to learn how the console works and how cause three it was the first one of the first 3d consoles yeah which is a bit like mario 64 i had to teach people how to move in three dimensions and how a camera works mm-hmm. um so this one i assume is going to have the benefits of uh that kind of r&d from the place so this actually cycle. teaches something new right so um yes this this has been around, so this is a 3D, so let me explain Ape Escape a little bit. What is Ape Escape? So, Ape Escape is a PlayStation 1 game. It was developed with the sole intention of introducing people to the idea of a dual shock controller. Oh. So, dual analog stick control. Stupid extra peripherals yes. that they're yeah. trying to sell with yes. their games. It'll never take It'll off. never take off. So, basically, before this, um, the N64 had an analog stick, but it was only one. And the old school PlayStation only had just the regular, like, directional arrows and the buttons on the side. They didn't have the DualShock. And then they released the DualShock. 
and this was the game that was meant to move the dual shock. It was meant to right. introduce to people what a dual shock can do. It mm. does it in possibly the strangest way you've ever seen, mm-hmm. um, because how a dual shock is used now is one stick moves you and one stick moves the camera, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And that has well establishedly been yes, that's how it works. In this, one stick moves you and the other stick interacts with the world by swinging your gadget in whatever direction you have pointed it in. Yeah, yeah. like it's, so. it, is, it is the uh, swing your axe forwards or yes. swing it in a circle yes. or in a different circle kind of thing. Yeah, there was um, the early dual shocky kind of games were like, how can we use the dual shock in like cool, interesting ways? Kind of like how the Wii U tried to be like, how can we use this idea? In it was motion way. controls before motion controls. Yeah. Um, in a certain way. It went through a lot of the same R&D, I think, in terms of, like, we don't quite know how to... We know that this is a good idea. We don't quite know why mm. yet. Um, and so this game was meant to be the one that... It was built around the concept of we need to show people that a dual shot can be useful. And so they came up with... Everything else is built around that idea. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, however, it's still a remarkably great game um, with all that in mind. And so I never had a PlayStation, so that was a little gibberish to me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, basically, so video game controller used to be hard and now very easy. So I do like game. easy. Yes. Okay. So like I, I in the, I've got my PlayStation controllers in the other room, but uh, for example, with a 360 controller, the Gold two has a 360 controller out for Claire's benefit. Yep. Yeah, uh, we have the two. Uh, these are the analog sticks. These mm-hmm. two little joysticks that stick out of it. Previously, we only had the direction pad and the face buttons here. Okay. It was just those. Uh, the addition of these two was normally you just move your character with the direction pad or you might move the camera with the shoulder buttons. Mm-hmm. This was now, uh, oh, now the direction pad can be used for something else. Uh, but I guess at the time, uh, people are still like, well, obviously you have to move with the direction pad. It's the direction pad. So what else can we give to the joysticks? What can we add to those? Another thing of the dual, dual shock, I think, the shock part of it was the vibration in the control. Was that also the first one, or do we have? Yes, one? I believe the dual shock. No, the N sixty four controller might have rumble. It had a rumble pack. You could yeah. add on. You you could add on, but this had built in rumble, so it yeah. shook when things happened. Um, and this game doesn't do that too much, but does a little bit. Okay. Um, so this game implements the dual shock in a way that is not typical of how people will go on to implement this kind of control scheme. However, it does do a good job anyway. Of like the, the control scheme that it ends up on works quite well, I feel. Um, all things considered. Yeah, that's a DualShock. Yeah, so I've just gotten a PlayStation 2 DualShock controller, which is identical to a PlayStation 1 DualShock controller. Yes. Uh, the two uh, joysticks here were just missing on the original yeah. controller, and we only had the direction pad and the face buttons. And this game can't be played without these. So it's, um, the, li- the little titties that got added to the PlayStation the controller. Pretty yes. much the nips. So, with all that in mind, so the basic crux of the game, from a, it's a pretty simple plot. A bunch of an ape, Spectre, an albino ape called Spectre. Who looks like Seto Kaiba? Yeah. He looks real Seto Kaiba-y. Um, he's got like a big fringe over one the, eye. The, the, the white-haired kid from Hunter x Hunter. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, he's got he's got the bangs over one eye and then like an this. evil. And he's like doing the Kubrick yes. stare. Uh, he's, he's an evil dude. 
And he finds a... What was his name again? Uh, Spectre. Spectre. Nice. So Spectre gets his hands on a monkey helmet that gives him vastly increased intelligence. So that's what they're wearing on their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then upon finding it, I think they accidentally get shipped to a monkey like based theme park. I don't remember the exact circumstances. It honestly doesn't really matter. But there, he was, gets, there was something about time travel. I played the yes, first like five minutes of it. So um, he gets he equips all the other monkeys in the park with these ultra intelligent helmets, and then he goes and invades the professor, who's just called the professor, uh, his lab, and uses his time machine to go back in time with the idea of altering the past to make monkeys the superior beings yep. in our society. So basically, he installs a millennia long monkey dictatorship um, across all of history. Uh, by sending all these monkeys back in time. That certainly escalated. It certainly did. And so what happens is the professor gives you a 10-year-old child or so. Um, The only one who can stop it. The only one who can save us. So he invites you and your friend Buzz over to try to help. And um, as that's happening, Buzz gets kidnapped by Spectre uh, and kind of brainwashed. And so he becomes your kind of rival. Mm-hmm. You're sort of Vegeta to your Goku kind of thing. Oh, so we've got, we've got Spectre yeah. and Buzz. We've got Buzz. Okay. Um, and so Buzz is not really an... He is an antagonist figure, but really he's meant to be like an unwilling... Like he's been brainwashed kind of thing. Mm. Uh, so basically the professor gives you a range of different gadgets and sends you back in time using his um, space station time machine, his backup one, to effectively recorrect history by capturing the apes mm-hmm. yeah so the way this game works is you get sent into a level which is you start all the way back at dinosaur time yep like that's how far back they go and gradually you work through periods to end up in the modern era mm-hmm. uh, so each level is it will dump you in a spot and it's like here you go some of them are more linear than others uh, and basically it's like there are 30 monkeys in this level. You have to capture 15. Go. Seems like Time it would have been easier to just go back to Spectre's birth. Possibly, but we're not doing that. Okay. The apes have escaped. The apes have and escaped. And we must capture them. We have a game to fill out. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, like... The time travel part of it just kind of you did. I don't see that was necessary. That's a plot hole that I literally didn't consider <laughs> until now. So just the apes have escaped. Uh, also, they did time travel. So the game's about time travel. No, it's about apes. Oh, okay, yes, it's about super intelligent apes who who escape and go to the past. Yes, uh, and only you, a ten year old boy uh, <laughs> with a magical sword, uh, Samurai Jack, can <laughs> save the future. So, yeah. So the game structure is you'll get put in a level. Like I said, some of them are very linear, some of them are not. Um, and basically you get the first run... So this game is meant to be run through twice. I only expect you to run through it once. Okay. Because the first run through is like there are 30 apes in this level. You have to capture 15 or 10. Yep. Right? Uh, and that's enough. That's considered enough to reduce the monkeys to like below critical threshold. To yeah, like, they'll die out. Monkey yeah. criticality. Yeah. yeah, they can't breed anymore. Their oh, gene pool is too just, small. Oh, there's just not enough of them to enact a change. Yeah. Uh, so basically you do that. And then after you do it the first time, you're meant to then go back and 100% the game 
like going through the second time, you can't capture every ape at the beginning because you do not have the equipment required, which you earn throughout the game. And so you can revisit and play every level twice and experience something new. They're they're, they're Metroiding it. Yeah, because you didn't have the equipment to go to places before. Yeah. So in that way, like... I am only going to expect you guys to play this for eight hours of your time because that is the minimum that we have set. Cool. Mm-hmm. I think you could finish your first playthrough in that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly. Assuming that you're a decent PS1 player. Mm-hmm. I've never played. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not expecting you to play this unless you want to. Uh... How would you like to consume this? Because I thought as an alternative for this, because Claire is not the best when it comes to this kind of stuff. I was wondering, you can either play it or you can maybe like sitting on Goldie's playing it and kind of absorb it that way or you could watch like a Let's Play I don't agree with any of those depends what Goldie is willing to how present he's well we'll we'll have to see how the scheduling sort of goes to that so I think we'll figure it out Um, but yeah I've got got it uh, running uh, on some hardware with a controller uh, that I have acquired I'm playing it legitimately um, it's how dare you imply that I'm possibly doing anything else. You could also come and watch me play it if we can find a time to uh, move things up. I, reckon fun weekend. I could probably finish this game in two sittings. Mm-hmm. So if we set aside two weekends for you to come over and spend three hours watching me play it, I can probably. I can. Because this would be my fourth playthrough of this game. I can do it quickly. I don't need to fuck around with anything. Sounds mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Uh, so we could do it that way um, but if you wanted to give it a go like by all means I was just I'm more anticipating that it's not necessarily something that you always like doing uh, or that you might find you, it might not be the most enjoyable way for you to consume the game it'll be back to our Let's Play days yeah yeah um, so yeah. so his apes have escaped they have. gotta go catch him yes. uh, to the end of the PlayStation 1 era the beginning of the DualShock uh, supremacy Yes. Uh, cementing this controller type uh, for the rest of video games. Pretty much. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, a couple of bits and pieces. Oh, a few things to look out for that I love about this game. Uh, a couple of quick facts. This was developed by Japan Studios, which is a first-party studio for Sony that has made pretty much any first-party game that Sony made that you like, they've probably made. Right. Uh, Loco Roco, Rapper the Rapper, anything by Team Ico, so Shadow of the Colossus, that kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. The, this team made Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> I don't think the team still existed no, at that point. They make like a, a billion games a year, so it's probably. Are like, they producers or are they actually a development team? They're a development team, but there's. I imagine they're a colossal studio. Sure. They're pretty much Sony's first party studio. Mm-hmm. And there's probably like a billion teams happening at once, because if you look at their release schedule, it is gigantic. Like, there's no way that one team is outputting work of this quality, like, often. Mm because um, I also noticed like playing it for the five minutes that I did uh, full English voice acting yes um, which I was a little bad surprised. bad voice acting but yes <laughs> well I mean just in terms of the uh, the digital quality of it like putting full full voice acting onto a Playstation 1 disc like CDs were the first medium where you could get full audio and full video um, but I was expecting the sort of banjo kazoo as a text box comes up no this is full English voice acting Probably the thing that sticks with me most about this game is its soundtrack, which was done by Sochi Terada, um, who is a jungle and drum and bass musician. From yes. And this, this game sounds exactly like it should. 
This game is like it's, it's a fast paced game where you just run around in can shapes and for most of it it's like drum and bass like like the whole time just driving you through it. Um the game aesthetically looks very saturated. Yeah. And it's also got this because it has problems with render distance because there's a lot happening in this game. There's this kind of fog that kind of hides everything, which yep. I personally feel adds to it. Some people are like, it's a shame this game doesn't have full render distance. I don't think it would look as good, to be honest. Um, the fog kind of gives everything this mysterious vibe to it. And it's like, mm-hmm. what's coming up next? And it's like, wow. And you can kind of see things generally emerge. I really like that about this game. I was watching a video the other day about um, PS1 horror. And it mentioned how um, PS1 has a specific brand and feel of horror that is very much related to its... Um, render distance. Well, render difference, but just its limitations in yeah. general. Yeah. Um, and a lot of sort of... Uh, Indie horror games, when I, when I say indie, I mean very indie horror games that are made today are made in the PS1 style, yeah. especially horror ones. Mm, yes. Yeah, the, the PS1 aesthetic I, I personally really love, and I do need to get more into it. Mm. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's something that I think it, uh, a really good video game should take a weakness about some to make a take a limitation and make it turn it into a strength. Yes. Um, I think it's most famously done in Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. That's often referred to as the Silent Hill fog. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a fog around the town. Uh, really, it's because the hardware of I think yeah. the PlayStation Two at that time yes. couldn't do yes. the detailed environments that they had over such a distance because yes. the the environments are very detailed in that game for the time. And the solution was this fog, but they worked it into the game yes. as saying this is a spooky town. Yeah. And it's scary that you can't see everything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's. I just love that. Yeah, I, I find low render graphics just way more disturbing for some reason as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, kind of like in the same way that well, maybe not the same, but similar way that claymation is unsettling. Yeah, I like low render graphics because I feel like they, in some ways, they if they're done well, they age better in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they're if they're really stylized, which this game is, this game doesn't look bad. It's very stylized, but I wouldn't say it looks atrocious. It's got some problems here and there, but um, it's aged well because it's so stylized. It doesn't just look like... Yeah. That, it's not trying to look real, which is something I miss in games. Yeah, the games that age poorly are stuff like uh, Crisis or even yeah. arguably like Half-Life 2 to an extent. Yes. The sort of games which are saying, this is the best looking game yeah. in the world. This is right so now. realistic. <laughs> it will... this. Uh, it will never get better than this and then a year later it gets better it than gets this. way better than that. Um, but when you do one that's uh, like I'm not going to try to be realistic I'm going to use elements I'm going to do my own style it might be good it might be bad but it at least won't age or at least won't age as much yes so yeah I guess this is a game very close to my heart it probably inspired my hatred for chimps um, I don't like chimps very much mm-hmm. uh, okay um I'm going to leave you to the rest of the... From a gameplay point of view, there's heaps I can go through, but we'll just leave it for there, and we'll, yep. we'll see how we all go. They got rid of the fog in the previous game, in the next games in the series. I don't like them nearly as much. Mm-hmm. So this game got a few sequels. Aberscape 2 was made by the same team and is considered to be pretty good by most fans. I don't like it as much because it's early, early PS2, mm-hmm. and everything doesn't feel quite right. Everything's yep. too big. It doesn't have any fog. It doesn't feel like the same game. It's hard to describe. This game feels like being in a club on acid, sort of. <laughs> Whereas the new Ape Escapes feel really pastely mm-hmm. for some reason. And they introduce like more antagonists in this 
which you don't quite fit the vibe. Mm. There's something almost dark about this game that the game series kind of loses. Right. Um, in terms of just how it looks and feels, yeah, there's a bit of grit. Mm. Um, yeah, and, like comparing yeah. early to early early games in a generation to late games in a generation is always interesting. Yes. Like you look at early PlayStation yes. Two games, yes. um, which was really my era, um, like Ratchet and Clank One. Yeah, um, like Ratchet and Clank One is still a fantastic game, but it looks a bit rough. Yes, and then I compared it to one of the last games called Black, which if I remember looking at it, looked just as good as Call of Duty Modern Warfare. What, uh, Call of Duty 4 yeah. at the time on PC yeah. which was one of the best looking shooters uh, but this was on the PlayStation 2 yeah. which was years out of date at that point point. Yeah. and it was finding ways around it it had some very clever uses of texture to make the game look better than it actually looked yeah. so and then Ape Escape 3 came out later in the PS2 era and that was made by a different team it had some very different design principles it's why they considered the suck um, I remember having fun with it when I played it when I was when it first came out I revisited it recently and I was like no this sucks um, it's way too easy it, it's lost everything that's kind of fun it's kind of the worst of both games put together mm-hmm. um, so yeah and since then it's had a couple of Japan only releases but the series has mostly been dropped except whenever they bring out some new gadget that they want to kind of add on they seem to have made this a series of like we need to introduce this new technology Ape Escape did they do iToy with this one? is there mm-hmm. They might have done a spin-off thing. Okay. Um, Escape VR? Uh, they did do the PlayStation fucking, like, magic wand thing. Oh, uh, yeah. PlayStation yeah. Move. They did that. That sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, you guys ready to escape? Yes, I. I'm ready, I'm, I'm I'm ready, ready to, to catch some apes. apes. Yes. All right, let's All right. do it. Let's do it. We are back. We are yeah. back from the apes. We have hopefully yeah. rounded them all up. Uh, well, some of them quiet. escaped. No, not quite. Ah, oh. oh, shit. <laughs> That's it, guys. Right. We ruined history. Apes should be free. Unfortunately, Ape Escape 2 must exist in the timeline. It must. To capture more what? escaped apes. Apes yes. together are strong. Apes together so strong. Is the worst stronger strong. than we could hope to be. Yeah. We are all beaten by apes. Mm. Yeah. Which is not good. All right. So, uh, with all that in mind, let's start with a bit of a brief. So, how far into did this did everyone get? So, uh, we did yeah. like half of it. I think I, I watched you play half of it, Jez, and then I sort of did a fast. I watched the rest on like YouTube, yeah, skipping cool. through bits. Goldie, I didn't get very as far as levels. I got up to Dark Ruins. Um, and that was about two hours uh, of gameplay before I spat the dummy and remembered while I love the aesthetic of PlayStation 1 games I hate the controls uh, and the molasses like uh, responsivity of pressing buttons okay sure 
So the controls were a bit much. When you say the controls were a bit much, do you mean the scheme or just the general functionality and responsiveness of what <clears throat> you're pressing? I think it's both. Like, I think that uh, the PlayStation 2 was the first video game uh, system where, like, I felt like controls got tight or, like, I started enjoying games. Like, Mario Kart was okay, but it's a pretty limited... There's not that much that you can do and you need to do in the game. Mario Kart uh, is also chunky, though. Like, on N64, yeah. I remember... Because we used to have a, um, a Let's Play channel, and we did Mario Kart as a bit of a fun, fun away fun for away episode uh and that i remember playing that and being like this is hard like this is like mm. just physically hard to control well like i also remember like uh playing a little bit of mario 64 uh and that was like platformers on that era i would i've never quite enjoyed i think um because platformers do require precision and to plan your moves ahead of time like i want to jump to that platform i need this much run up i need to hit the button at this point but but it requires to be like more precise than i needed platforming in ratchet and clank love it perfect absolutely aced at it anything on the ps1 i've never i've never quite enjoyed it um i think that it might have just been something that uh the generations changed and improved which kind of sucks because i love the aesthetic there's so many games on the ps1 that I want to get remakes for just in terms of controls and maybe things like uh, auto-saving and skippable cinematics, little things like that. There's quality of life things, but leave the rest of it the same. Um, But yeah, uh, going on top of that, Monkey Ball, sorry, Ape Escape uh, has... It's doing its own crazy thing with the controls. It's like, hey guys, analog sticks. Let's just throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Uh, and so having to swap gadgets uh, and then use the sticks in very specific, like, I'll say gimmicky sort of ways. Like, if they were just trying to see what worked. It is a like bit gimmicky. Yeah, like you swing the net, you spin the hula hoop, uh, you swing the sword, all of that sort of shit. Um, and having to remember on the fly to swap to the weapons while walking around and then remember how that weapon is supposed to be used uh, in the motion that nah, very quickly I was, apes were running circles around me um, I was spending ages getting stuck on cliffs and shit I, I did not have a fun time that's no good that's no good at all um, It's for me a lot of this was muscle memory like, I remember, like, when I picked this up again, it was just like, yep, this, 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 this. Like, it was just fine. But I played this. This was, like, imprinted on that vital space you get as a kid where, like, oh, yeah. you know, your survival skills go here and set that tape escape controls in my head. Uh, what yeah, were your like, experiences with this, Claire? Um, the dub voice acting was incredibly atrocious. Yes. Which I thought was... A shame because everything else was pretty good quality, and they, I like I, I just don't get it. Why do you put so much effort into everything else, and then just get like high school students? No, worse than high like just like I, I cannot believe the people that dubbed this game had any voice like legitimate voice acting experience. 
It, it was like I was um, really surprised at the actual fidelity of the audio recordings. I forgot that the PlayStation One had really good audio processing. I kept expecting like Animal Crossing sort of blah, 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 sort of stuff, but then I'm hearing crisp, clear audio of some going, "No, don't the apes, they'll escape." <laughs> yeah. It, it um reminded me of those like BBC kid shows from the '90s that were like on the non-prime time. It, it that's that's um. That's what it sent me back to in that respect. Except for the apes, their their, their voices were pretty spot on. Um, the, they're just like stock the apes, effects. various screeches and yells. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't fault those. So that was my main criticism. But other than that, I thought it seemed like a, like a pretty good quality game. I mean, I'm not. I was never really much of a. I, I never had a console in the '90s, so I don't really have much PS1 experience except for what I got from being beaten by my friends when I visited their houses. Um, so I didn't have that much sort of reference to it in that respect. So what it really made me think of was just Vaporwave. It was immensely Vaporwave, which I guess makes sense, seeing as Vaporwave is all about 90s nostalgia and sampling video game songs. Mm. So, yeah, I was the whole time I was watching it, I was just like... This, you wouldn't even need to sample this to make a Vaporwave album. It already is a Vaporwave album and yeah. aesthetics. It's like the source material. Yeah, it is. Like, but you wouldn't even need to change anything. It's just, I just felt, I just felt like I was watching a Vaporwave like compilation with the, because a lot of Vaporwave compilations are just that exact music with those exact visuals. So I had a good time because I really like Vaporwave. That's great. I'm yeah. glad that you had a good time with this. I was a bit worried that you wouldn't. Um, yeah, I guess but, the yeah. closest like childhood reference I have to it is that the music reminded me a bit like the music from the Sims games, only it was a lot better. <laughs> yes. Um, Isn't the Sims all like royalty-free symphony music? Uh, I could see that. But maybe I, some of it. Maybe some of it is. Yeah. Um, there was like a variety of music in the Sims because you <clears> had the. Um, you had the jukebox where you could pick the different genres. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just went to the bit in my mind of, like, go to the fo- file location of remember what Sims music is, pulled out the thing, and the bicycle music from Pokemon 1 just came out. Like, nope, that's that's not it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's deep in there. I, f- I follow this guy that makes um, Vaporwave and similar uh, music compilations, and he was asking for a new the- uh, new ideas for his next theme, and I suggested The Sims, and he thought, yeah, that that'll definitely work. So I'm looking forward to that, mm. seeing what he does with it. Wonderful. Um, so, what did you think of the music? Because the music is probably one of my favorite things about this game. Is that real kind of? It's I I <coughs> called it job and bass before, and it is job and bass, but specifically, it's jungle. Is what this is called. Which is really? quite suitable. <laughs> yeah, I liked the little monkey hoots in it. Oh, like it weren't, they weren't actual monkey hoots, but sound effects that sounded like monkey hoots, mm. which was very appropriate. Yeah, the music was great. I, I was watching a uh, review or breakdown that someone made about this, and apparently, a large chunk of it was. <coughs> I'm dying. There was a uh, some Japanese composer at the time. And there was some weird thing in Japan where they weren't allowed to dance because, like, actual Footloose 
was the law because of some weird thing in the American imposed constitution. What? So, yeah, like, I, I'm not really sure. I didn't read too much into it, but, like, uh, maybe they didn't want something to do with gatherings. But as a result, all of their club music was underground. Um, and it had a huge impact on the musical scene of Japan. And so this guy comes, is, like, is doing basically this music and they're making uh, Ape Escape. And like, hey, can we just get that guy to do the soundtrack? And he's like, yeah, all right. Like, will will it fit on the on the console? Like, yep. And so he just did the whole soundtrack. So it was Ape Escape had the concept of the story and the game idea, plus this Japanese composer that just hit it out of the park, plus, hey, we want to sell DualShocks, uh, make players buy DualShocks. Yeah. Um, the perfect recipe. And- for imprinting my brain and doing irreparable damage to my developmental tra- trajectory. But, um, God bless. I did a bit more research into the guy who made this, and I listened to some of the soundtrack, and I listened to some of his stuff, because apparently the lead designer of the game heard an album he did called uh, Sumo Jungle, yeah. in which he builds an entire album around one Hawaiian song about sumo wrestlers. Like, he just <laughs> samples parts of that for the length of an entire album. And it sounds a lot like this soundtrack to a degree. And apparently the, the director just listened to that and went, can you, like, make a game out of this? And he was like, is it about monkeys? And he was like, yeah. He's like, yeah. And that was pretty much the gist of it as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. could see the music in this game applying to sumo wrestlers, especially Hawaiian ones. Yeah, just a lot of... It's, it's frantic. I think it really suits both the aesthetic and the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. It's, like, perfectly mm-hmm. matched. And the game loses a lot of that in the next entries in the series where they move away from this direction. This, the, the more drum and bass kind of like... kind of like real fast stuff disappears. And you get yeah, a lot the game, more ambient stuff. The game certainly looks how it sounds. Yes. Um, I've just got like a video of it playing at the moment, muted. Um, but yeah, it, it's the bright colors, the, the zaniness of it um, and everything, yeah. I thought the art style was cute, like the people. Um, the and yeah, it was very um, vivid and lush to look at. And I yes. liked um, I liked the variety of levels. Like that's that's if you're that's one of the um, main things. Um, that really appeals to me about most things is sort of visual variety. Um, right now I'm playing uh, Dead Space 3 with a friend, and it's, like, it's, it's pretty... It's, I'm, I'm mainly... It's, like, fun, but all the levels look so similar that I'm getting really sick of it. <laughs> like, the, yeah. the level design, at least. It's all just... Here's another rotted corridor. Here's a... Here's another room where 30 people died. Yeah, here's, a, here's another horrible dystopian piece of junk there was this one part where we went inside a necromorph which was I was excited about but it lasted for like five minutes unlike this game where the best level is inside some kind of inside a monster like a dinosaur thing yeah, and it actually looks super cool. It looks like an acid yeah, core version like a whole, of like several ships. the last level of Half-Life yeah yeah, that's is probably one of the. It's one of my favorite levels. Let's get onto that actually. So standout levels for you two. Um, shoot, what what was? So we've got inside Dexter. His yeah, name that is Dexter, was my apparently. Favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah, like 
Um, I, I'm because the playthrough that I watched through it's it's basically been done by you, Jez, because the person playing this knows exactly where everything is. All the jumps land. Uh, they're not quite speed running it, but they do know this game like the back of their hand. So every now and then I'll be watching it and I'll see them like make a left turn and jump into nowhere. I'm like, where the fuck are you going? Oh my god, there's a dinosaur there. <laughs> and then like the dinosaur turns up and they just leap into its mouth. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then, oh, that's the rest of the level. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's not what I would have chosen. <laughs> there's a cool right. industrial level at some point, right? <clears throat> uh, there's a few, um, yeah. especially in the later one. There's So when you get to the later eras, because you go through time. So everyone, mm. I think that's one of the reasons why the aesthetics are always so different. Because you start from pre-dinosaur, go mm. through dinosaur, ice age, kind of like medieval, and then you got your more modern stuff. There's a factory level which is really cool, uh, where you get a tank. There's a skyscraper level yeah. which is also quite iconic. Um, um, wasn't there a level with like the aurora borealis? Oh yeah, that one. Um, yeah, that so was really nice. The ice age one. Yeah, yeah. there's a few around. For me. Yeah, uh, so did, was there any levels that stood out to you, Goldie? Um, I'm just thinking through. Like, uh, some of the boss stages were pretty sick. The um, the final boss of the first playthrough, where he basically gets into a Gundam. Oh yeah. Uh, and then what I did thought, think was pretty neat was that you it becomes a second person game from that point. Your the yes. camera switches to Spectre in the in the Gundam. Look, well, technically, it would be like a, a Zaku Zaku frame, uh, looking through his crosshairs at you, and so you have to run around. Oh yeah, second person oh, perspective. That I I yeah. noted that down as really really cool as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and then afterwards, like it, he just breaks out into the big yeah. robot and then shoots and stuff. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, that that was pretty neat. Yeah, there's actually a game I think that it was like a little you know alpha beta kind of game thing, so it wasn't too hardcore. Um, but it was there's a first person shooter that is played entirely in the second person <coughs> so you, you only get to see from your enemy's point of view <laughs> what's going on uh, which is cool that is so cool. my personal favorites there's one which has it's one of the ice ones and we you I think it's one of the ones we spent the most time on Claire because I kept falling off the fucking yeah, yeah. cliff <laughs> every time but I love that level the one with the polar bears and the hot springs at the top um, partly because it has one of my favorite tracks in the thing I love the aesthetic that looks incredible Dex is always great because Dex is such a left turn because there's nothing like that in the game before it or after it's just like you're now inside of something and it's really horrifying in a way like it's yeah I it's can see a that. bit scary like it maybe not so much yeah, as an yeah, adult as I said as yeah. I said, it reminded me of um, Zen, the last level of uh, yes. Half-Life. But, yeah. like, more acid, trippy. Yeah. In terms uh, of the colours. Yeah, cool. Very so, nice. And then, yeah, I mean, the last level... The very last level of this, Spectreland, followed by um, kind of Spectreland Part 2, takes as much time to do as the entire game up until this point. Mm. <laughs> like, did you note that, how long that level was? Either of you? Uh, um, I'm, I'm just are you talking about through. everything after, like, uh, the monkeys start changing the future? So there's there's a level where it's a theme park. I, I don't right. remember it being that long. I remember it being long, though. 
So if you actually play through that, that level is gargantuan because everything from the beginning of that level to the end is one level. Like, if you die, back to the beginning kind of stuff. I remember the chick you rescued yeah, being a I'm looking bitch. through, like, this, this particular long play I'm looking through, I can't see any massive time skips, so or maybe they've just broken it up into sections. Um... <clears throat> How long does it take them to do that entire sequence? From, so from the beginning of that to the end, how long does it take them? Uh, so is this like the whole second run? Yeah. Oh, no, this is, um, um, so this is from the beginning of the theme park level all the way to the end on the first run. How long is it? Uh, you mean like Spectre's Factory? I've just got the, um, the, the level titles here. So the, I think it's Spectre Land is the one you're looking for. I can't find it on here. Alright, never mind. This is not the yeah. most interesting discussion in the world. Yeah. But it's long. Um, it takes a very long time. If you, if you game over, you go back to the beginning of the first of the theme park stage of all of it, which is horrific. Yeah. That took me ages as a kid to do. It reminded me of the last level of Psychonauts, since that's also carnival themes. Which There's a lot of carnivals in games. Yeah. 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 No, how many carnivals in my games? My games are Star Wars or Fighter Jets. Well, I'd like why to is see it... a Star Wars carnival level. I would like to see that too. Why isn't there that? <coughs> uh, because there hasn't been any Star Wars games ever since Dis- ever since LucasArts died, really. Uh, and anyone who tells you differently is lying. Okay, sure. I see. Um, yeah, like, LucasArts did a bunch of, like, weird stuff. Like, I mean, my fa- one of my favorite LucasArts games is on the PS1. It's Star Wars... Uh, arenas of destruct like destruction or whatever oh, I love it's just that a, game. Uh, it's a vehicle combat yeah. game where the vehicles range from a pod racer a snow speeder a rancor or boba fett yeah it is boba fett so i own a copy of that game i got it second hand right um <clears throat> and the because i found it like a bargain bin thing and mm. in the manual that's because it's got like a manual you know like they all had back which is the, amazing back in the day back in the day and at the very back in the <coughs> notes section, someone has drawn, like, clearly, like, a nine-year-old kid or, like, an eight-year-old kid or something even younger has drawn a picture of a Rangor, a Rangor and it just says, the Rangor is very daggerous next to it. <laughs> and that's now a meme for me and yeah, my that's, partner. that's an iconic you thing. Yes. That's that's super cool. That's super great. I'm gonna use that for now on. The Rancor is very daggerous. We played it. Oh, me and my I'm the partner. most daggerous thing you've ever seen. Yeah, and I kept grabbing her with the Rancor and just like breaking all of her shit. And I was like, Well I am very <laughs> daggerous. It did warn you. <laughs> so Yeah. I like Something that I wanted to talk about with the uh, back to Ape Escape are the gadgets. Um, as I was watching it, as soon as this guy unlocks the hula hoop it just becomes the most overpowered thing. Like, he's just speed running through with the hula hoop and then just, like, hit-checking every every single person left, right, and center. Is it really just that good? Like, would you ever use anything other than that? Um, if you're very good at the game, it's amazing. Otherwise, no. Um, uh, okay. It takes a lot of finesse to control that hula hoop to that degree. I like the variety right. of the uh, gadgets. Yes. Because it's... It's interesting how they were like, we need to build something that you can use an analog stick to control. So it's mm. like, what do you like spin in a circle? A radar. Okay, so we'll give you like a monkey radar. You know, what do you spin in a, What also do you spin in a circle? A hula hoop. 
So how do we incorporate a hula hoop into game design? Well, we make you go, you go fast with it, and it also does damage, like a Beyblade. Can, could you mm, actually yeah. run and do a hula hoop at the same time? Like, that uh, Yeah, I think I have a friend who does that. Huh. Like, he does it I competitively. It would, I don't think it would kill you. But Running with hula hoops? No, as in, like, if you, like, run into someone with a hula hoop... Uh, I don't think it's going to be as lethal as... I don't think it would do damage to you, yes. What if it was a bladed hula hoop? Well, I guess that changes things, for sure. Um, Yeah, Spike seems to turn into, like, a lightsaber. Yeah, it turns into, like, a... It it puts out, like, energy. It's pretty Mm. cool in that way. Uh, Did you get to the point where they have the car? Yeah, I like that. Uh, (coughs) I saw the point where he fights... Uh, he fights the blue kid with the car, and he's like shooting out little baby cars at him, and then he's like bull toroing uh, the car into the wall uh, and crashes a couple of times. Yeah, so you get a. One of the gadgets you get is you have that little remote control car, and you can use it to flush monkeys out of certain areas and also to kind of navigate into areas and do puzzles that you can't normally mm. do. Uh, there's also, I don't know how many of you saw this because it's a post-game gadget, but after you do the first playthrough, you get this gigantic, um, like, it's like a boxing glove on one of those I did see that, compression yeah, he, he, he kills the final boss with it. Yeah, so you, where, with that, it's used to break, there's some things in the game which are unbreakable without it, so you can't 100% the game without getting it. And then, secondly, if you hit a monkey with it, it permanently stuns it, so you no longer have Jeez. to. It just stays down. You just break its what neck. What happens yeah. to all those monkeys after you capture them? They get sent back to the lab for undisclosed <coughs> reasons. I see. How- I feel like it's going to be like Professor Oak sort of thing where Ash catches an entire like a herd of Tauros and Professor Oak's like, what the fuck am I going to do with an entire herd? Jesus Christ, kid. And so this professor's just going to have, like, the monkey containment unit overload, like in Ghostbusters, and that's how Ape Escape 2 happens. I guess, though, that he's kind of ready for it, right? Yeah, I guess they had to come from somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, well, he's also the whole reason why he sent you was to go get the apes. Yeah. That'd be like if Dr. Uh, professor Oak sent Ash out to go capture a bunch of Taurus, and then when he did, he was like, what am I meant to do with all these Taurus, Ash? Um, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. I guess so. But um, what do you think of... I guess there isn't much to talk about character-wise. And also they were voice acted, as you mentioned, atrociously. So um, I was actually a little bit surprised with how emotional the big final boss fight got. Because Spectre's like, you don't understand what it's like to, be, to live my life. It was humiliating. I suffered so much. And Spike's like, man, that kind of sucks. Can you stop taking over the world? No! Yes. Like, for a second there, it was about to get real. I don't think that part was in the Let's Play I watched. It was in, it was in the second run through. Oh, like, okay. I didn't, get, I didn't watch yeah, that in the, one. In the first one, uh, he's just like, I'll get you next time. Team Rocket and he disappears and uh, then the professor's like, Spike, please, you need to play the game again. Uh, for <laughs> you need to play uh, the entire game yeah. again, Spike. Morty. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to go. We've got to go Morty, capture the got, apes, Morty. You got, there's, there's so many apes. You missed so many apes. We need, minutes, we need the yeah. apes, Morty. <laughs> oh, jeez, um, Rick. I don't know about wait. this one. So he goes to the capture the game, and then in the final boss fight, it's just you're fighting Spectre on a stupid chair, um, 
and Spike's all like, hey man, like, the the PKE helmet is controlling you. Uh, and, he, and he's like, well, yeah, but it's also made me super smart and powerful, and I've got, like, psychic powers and shit now. It rules. And he's like, okay, but don't, though. Like, I suffered. And Spike's goes like, okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of it. Uh, I suffered, and he, therefore and my he, bad actions are totally justified. Yeah, and then he flips out and starts shooting psychic blasts at you. You break his neck a couple of times with the Rock'em Sock'em glove uh, and then snatch him in the net in the pile with the other monkey. In the pile with the others. So it, Yeah, it, it also goes from like uh, the big hefty boss fight music of like this is the culmination of the game and then as soon as you catch him it just plays the exact same like you've caught a monkey sound effect. It's like dead dead dead. <laughs> it's, it's like That's a big it. anticlimax. You're done. You caught the monkey. He should have just gone to business school like the yes, Futurama sir. monkey. He could. It would be like if the Planet of the Apes reboot uh, in the first movie ended with Caesar just getting headshot and then just dragged off to the monkey pit. <laughs> like, just. It's very anticlimactic. So I think Spectre's interesting, right? So the main villain, Spectre, because. His exact deal changes from game to game and even in the anime. I think later on in the canon, with the different games as you go, Spectre becomes an alien, not a monkey. What? He, he's an alien that looks like a monkey, and all the monkeys are aliens, and that's... Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so this, I forgot you could This series that. gets dumb, and its quality <laughs> degrades every game that gets made. So, this is, like, in my opinion, as good as the series gets. Mm. Some would argue that 2 is better, but I think that's a matter of taste. Uh, I had a quick look at 2, and I like the, I like, the um, like, character design, but the colours look very washed out. Yeah, it doesn't have the same kind of oversaturated vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it also... This is also a game that doesn't get localized all the time. Like it, it's technically a weird Japanese game, so some of them make it to the Western market and some of them don't. Like I could see there was I don't know like a PSP one that may or may not have gotten translated. Yes, so, like, they only do them every every now and then. There's one called Million Monkeys. Um, Million Monkey March. That's way yeah. too many monkeys. Yeah, uh, which was apparently the best thing that happened since this game, but it never got a Western release, and it never will shut up about it, apparently, mm-hmm. is the gist of that, which is a shame. It, it it really leans into the monkeys with mechs idea. It's really, like, futuristic Ooh. and gritty. Like, you fight them in, like, an urban setting, and they're shooting missiles at you and all that shit. Um, oh. It's bizarre, but, you know cool i guess um just saying they don't really know what to do with this series after this game i feel like the second one is like let's do this game but with bigger stuff which is fine that works and the third one is like what do we do now we're going to introduce weird gimmick suits and we're going to make the game trivially easy and this is kind of like the level design is probably the best in free but it's also the rest of it sucks so if you were making an ape escape game what would you do what would I do if I were to make yeah. one now? Yeah. So there's this idea with the series that it has to be shackled to some kind of new peripheral. Um, yeah. Which, firstly, I would divorce it from that. We no longer need a peripheral to make Ape Escape work. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. Ape Escape yeah, exists for its own purposes. Cool. What I would do is I would make it into... Um, 
a lot more. I would probably make it open world esque, if not completely open world, somewhat open worldy. Um, <clears throat> and I would have there just be it'd be like a Banjo Kazooie esque kind of collectathon, but in one gigantic open world, and the collectathon is apes. Uh, so I would just basically I would just make this but with all everything that you can do in the new generation of machines which is like just much, everything is bigger everything is more colorful um, the game can be a lot faster at its general pacing uh, you've got just far more gadgets to navigate an open world more efficiently um, there's like side quests more characters it's like you're not dealing with like an individual Apes have taken over this town. Beat this level and move on to the next one. It's like, apes have taken over this entire world. I would base it in a much more fantastical version of the world, if not the real world itself, if that makes sense. So I would take some liberties with like different biomes. Like, yeah, there's a jungle biome, even though it's maybe Japan or something like that. What about, what about like, the monkeys have broken space and time and like all sound yeah. lines have merged together into one? That would be fantastic. Yeah. That would probably be the idea is just like, what if we could just merge all of these biomes into one big setting and have it be all fractured? Um, I think it'd be really funny if... Uh, I'm not sure if it'd meld with the open world or not, but I just have it in my head of uh, Shadow of the Colossus but Ape Escape. Um, each of the Colossus is just an ape. Uh, and you and you're like on a horse. Maybe you catch a couple apes along the way. But like, <clears throat> maybe a game which is just parodies of game genres in each sort of region. One of them is Shadow of Colossus. Maybe one of them is Call of Duty. Maybe one of them is Mario Kart. Just like have that. Like you, you have that variety and just have a bunch of like stupid parodies all throughout it. I think that'd be fun. That wouldn't be a bad idea. I think you could do a lot with this general idea because I think the idea of it's a good I I think it would be a refreshing take on the collectathon genre where you're not just collecting things, you are collecting like an actual specific thing that can run away and fight and problem solve. You know? Mm. Like um I think that would be a good modern evolution of the collectathon genre. With some I modern open AI. world sensibility stakes. Yeah. Make the state but the monkey AI is just cutting edge. Yeah. That's probably what I would <laughs> lean into is like make the apes like you actually have to like <coughs> think about how you're going to approach these apes. The, a- the AI monkeys a actually, like, break out of the game, and then <laughs> the escape becomes <laughs> and they real. Ki- and then they kill you in real yeah. life with a rock. <laughs> I want there to be a mod of Alien Isolation, which just replaces the alien's, like, CG model with, uh, with the ape. With the ape. Uh, everything else the same, it's just, there is an ape stalking you, you are the one that must escape. I mean, that is pretty yes, yeah. Now you escape must escape the ape. The ape. <laughs> Oh, that'd, be little, that'd be a good little. That'd be a good indie horror idea. It's yeah. ape escape. Like, it, that'd escape. just be another level of this game, and it's like you have to run to the air, like, and then you get to the end, and then you get the net, and it just instantly catch it. Like it's it's immediately the ape stops being threatening as soon as you find the net. But until then, it's like survival horror, like crazy. Yeah. So that's what I would do with this as an idea. Uh, I think there's plenty you can do with like mini games for this. Um, like it's really you just need to whack the Apescape aesthetic on anything. Like a, an overcooked style like mini game would be great, where yeah. you're just your monkeys and you have to run this like chaotic overcooked style kitchen 
to make other things for other monkeys like that that would be cool there's lots of mini game stuff you can do as well like oh, a, it could be like your monkey's working in uh silver shadow cyborg what's his name what's the bad guy uh, specter specter i like your yeah, guess but... your guess is there <laughs> Uh, your your monkey's working in Spectre's like factory to build weapons uh, and or like stupid gadgets to try and beat Spike. Um, and each level you have to assemble gadgets to give out to other monkeys. And then like each level is like, ah, oh, Spike's gotten through my ice level. I need a flamethrower. And then you have to like build a flamethrower in that yeah. level. You could, all, I guess, we could go the other route. So you got the big open world, serious kind <laughs> of like using your gadgets creatively to trap super advanced AI monkeys. Or you could also go like the Mario Party route with this, and just be like go karting with Spectre. Yeah, well, that's what the direction of some of the better games later take is they become more party oriented. Um, Honestly, like I was assuming. (laughs) Honestly, I was kind of assuming that that was what this game was going to be—more just like a a mini game fest. I didn't actually know that this was a um, a linear campaign uh, platform collectathon. Yeah, no, it's it is. Um, and what do you you mentioned you want to be friends with Spectre? Why? Tell me about that. Because he just he, he he's he's taking he's taking over the world. Is lashing out about the lack of respect he got. He just needs he just needed to be respected and treated as an equal. He did. Yeah. And he wasn't. I yes, think. And then if he just, he just needs to be treated like a person, and that means go karting. Yeah, I mean that's that's his rehab. Yeah, you just take go-karting. him go karting. It's yeah. like Bowser with Mario. Yeah, like you just the man just wants to go go karting with his son. Yeah. Whenever I like think of Spectre too hard, uh, I just think of that meme with Seto Kaiba from Yu Gi Oh, who's uh, flipped over a table and is screaming at a twelve-year-old at a Yu Gi Oh tournament, uh, saying, "You're a third-rate duelist with a fourth-rate deck." Uh, that's just all I can think of Seto Kaiba for, for this dude yeah um, it's weird that Spectre is the character that we're getting most caught up on but I guess he's the only one with any kind of complexity and depth <laughs> yeah like there's there's Blue who is just like oh I'm your rival Spike. and I'm not because I forgot no Spike is the yeah, main that, character Buzz Buzz is the uh, rival Buzz got like, like um, I introduced my partner recently to the con- the the Japanese like tokusatsu sentai concept where the main character is red just thematically and visually and that means they're hot-headed they're brash they're obnoxious they're Goku um, they're the Red Ranger um, they're always this uh, devil may care sort of person then they will always have a blue themed rival who is aloof uh, who's rude, uh, sometimes sassy. Um, so I was like, That's uh, exactly the plot com- I will finally, Vegeta, like, I will finally prove that I'm better than you. Uh, and like, each of the primary colors has um, character tropes associated with them. So I'm looking, it's like, okay, here's red, there's blue. And now I just, every game that I'll go through, particularly Japanese, I'm like, okay, where's the blue character? Ah, there you are. Okay. So for me, yeah, there's not much to go off in any of the characters here other than their colors sometimes. Because you, you refer to Buzz as blue, and you wouldn't be wrong <laughs> in that that's his predominant character trait is, I don't like Spike, and I am blue. Uh, I mean, well, he's brainwashed. He is brainwashed um, to act like a edgy anime kind of villain when he's like an eight-year-old. 
It would, I think it would have been cool if his hair was originally red and then it changed to blue when he was, like, mind-controlled or something. It'd be too hard to tell him in Spike apart, then. Oh, yeah, but he's only, like, Purple, unbrainwashed though. for ten seconds. I guess so, yeah. Purple, yeah. <coughs> so, yeah, there's not much else to go on other than the Professor is a bit skeevy in retrospect. Yeah, uh, why, why do all, like... Prof- he looks exactly like Dr. Bright as well. Like, big, bulbous-nosed old man who... yeah. Makes child AIs. He does make child AIs. Children, like what's going on? You know, this is just the free market economy at work. This is blue sky thinking. Uh, This is no uh, regulations uh, or ethics boards because they just slow down innovation. Do you think Uh, that like the Japanese is an aging population because they keep sending their children on like all the suicidal world-saving missions? I don't think they do that very much in their culture. There's often, like, with the Fukushima stuff, that was all the older people who volunteered because they don't have much left. I'm making a joke about anime. Ah, right. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, fair enough. That's fine. Well, in in, uh, 30 years, we'll find out that the world is only still around because an entire generation of Japanese gave their lives in a variety of zany ape-related... Yes, uh, <laughs> zany ape-related conquests. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. They were the ones who saved us. Cool. They, they saved us all, really, as eight-year-olds, mm. fighting dinosaurs. With their blue and red hair. All right. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else on my talking points that was interesting here. I think that's mostly a lot of the game itself... It's short, it's sweet, it's you know, it's good to get a video game kind of out of the way. Mm. Does anyone have any other thoughts on this? Um, when I was like playing through it and then watching through it, um, again, like one of my most like one of the first video games I really sunk my teeth into was the Ratchet and Clank series, uh, and that kept coming back to me when I when I was watching and playing this of just how the platforming kind of works, of how the gadgets are omnipresent and in introduced into the environments the, the 3d platforming part of it um i i don't know if insomniac was in any way related uh development wise other than just being another sony uh studio um but i can see action clank probably learnt a lot from ape escape um just in terms of being a 3d platformer um that was very gadget intensive and was a collectathon. um so I could see I could see a lot of that evolution in, in this game. Um, yeah. This is in many ways a trendsetter that I think is underappreciated, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to give it the time to shine on the podcast. Mm. Because I think a lot of people like this game. I wouldn't say that it's like underground, but it's not really ever given its due. Whenever you think about early 3D platformers that everyone raves about, you've got Crash, you've got Mario, you've got Spyro. Like, no one brings this up, you know? And this... Gave it. This gave us a, like dual shock control, bad dual shock controls as a concept, but it was like it tried. You, got, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta throw spaghetti at the wall. You got you know, have break have to break a few eggs for thermonuclear war. Yeah. Uh, you gotta you gotta try something first. And yeah, it, this game is bold. This is brave. Uh, without it, we wouldn't have the dual shock. God bless. Yeah. So it's like um, it's kind. It reminds me a lot of the Wii. Like, when the Wii first came out and people were like, oh, this isn't going to fly. And then it did. 
and it got really, really big kind of thing. But you have to have that kind of awkward initial stage of everything. Hmm. I feel like there's some parallels there. Because everyone just kind of was like, oh, there's no... Why Why do I need a DualShock? Like, one, one stick is enough. Mario 64 did it. So that's all we need for anything else. And yeah, so hmm. it's... I mean, they did it totally wrong <laughs> compared to how it is done now, but still. Yeah, like, I wonder... I'd be curious to go and research into at what point the decision was made of left stick movement, right stick camera. Um, <coughs> because we do have this early period where um, the D-pad controls the character and the camera is just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either preset or maybe you use the shoulder buttons or something for it. Um, but at a certain point, people figured out, oh, giving the players direct control of the camera with the right stick is just the better the better move for it and that is the use for the right stick um and then the d-pad gets relegated to like settings or gadgets and shit and the left stick takes over from the d-pad i Um, think to answer your question this may be wrong if this is wrong please don't yell at me internet in general oh yeah flag us in the comments yes um but it's i believe the first game to do this was an alien game i think it was like there's an alien it was one of the alien games that's kind of lesser known and everyone was like again this is a shit idea that will never take off oh yeah i think i know what you're talking about yeah there was a um there's some news clipping where the game reviewer is like oh it uses some fucked up stupid control scheme it, the, it was mind-boggling the left stick to move the character and the right stick for the camera it'll never catch on it was in that sort of voice i imagine yeah so it's um it's one of those two. It's one. I think it might have been Matt McMuscles does had a throwaway line about that. It, he didn't actually talk about the actual concept, but when he introduced the a game that he was talking about tangentially, he was like, "Also, this game that came out at this point was the first game to do this." And then he kind of makes a joke about how apparently the idea was so stupid that it would never take off, even though the game itself mostly su- sucked. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Something like that. That sounds very Matt McMuscles in general. So, mm. okay. So, piece of gaming history here. Uh, anyone got any other bits and pieces to add? No, I'm about good. I'm good. We've, we've caught our apes. We have caught our apes. They have unfortunately escaped us for the most part. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Uh, well, we can always come back to them later. The good thing about the time travel aspect of this is that inevitably we have to win because we can just mm. keep going back and trying, right? Can't the monkeys also time travel? Yes, so an, I guess we're constantly cycle. stuck. The gimmicks in the future games, this by the way, this is the only game to use time travel. The oh. uh, number two doesn't use time travel. It's just um, what if we, what if apes just took over? in general is the is the concept which is one of the reasons why it's it loses some of its charm there because it limits its level design a little bit uh and the third one is what if the apes attempted to take over from a cultural point of view so what if the the apes start their own tv station which hypnotizes people when they watch it and they just film 24 hour like seven days a week television and you're kind of crashing their sets and ruining their good time. That's pretty cute. Yeah, and the the whole idea behind the whole you turn into a like you put on a costume and you get a gimmick. So like you put on a 
cowboy costume and you get to just shoot like a rapid fire gun that stuns things and like that's kind of meant to be part of the whole TV gimmick mm. yeah so yeah this is the only one that used time travel which is a shame because it's probably the best gimmick of the three yeah. other than possibly mm. the TV um, it's also weird that they kind of forget about time travel because you can kind of fix every problem in all the other games by just going back and making sure that it doesn't happen yeah, no, nah, we're, we're going to stuff that writer's mistake right back in the bag. Yeah. And also, the writing in the previous game, in the next games, is kind of like, Spectre has returned somehow. Very... <laughs> somehow, Spectre has returned. Yes, Palpatine-esque. <laughs> uh, and also, Spectre doesn't need the helmet in preview- in game sound the track. Oh, that's cool. Maybe um, the helmet permanently alters his... Yeah, that's, that's the idea, is... He's oh, kind okay. of like his. He's been made intelligent to the point where he can't, um, like he can't lose it now by not having the helmet. Convenient. So, yeah, um, which also kind of ruins his design because the helmet kind of makes his character for me. Yeah, this look kind of like he's wearing underwear on his head. It does, I guess. Uh, anyway, cool. So. Final summer, summation of our experiences with Ape Escape. Should I start with my own? Because I don't think I've added much of my own experience of this. No, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so um, I enjoyed going back to this. I think it's at the point now where I've played this so much that I was kind of like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't hate it. Like, I didn't realize, like, I hate this now, which is kind of like, oh, yeah, I've done this enough. I don't need to do this again kind of thing. Um, and that's fine. I'm happy to be there. Uh, I enjoyed playing. You had a history anyway. of doing topics where uh, you revisit something you love to find out that you hate it. So it's good that you've retained the love this time. Yes, it's just, it's just I've done. I can only do it so many times, you know, mm. um, and I've done it more than enough now. But overall, I did find it a little bit clunkier than I remember to control. But um, that might have just been my controller individually as well. Uh, but I had a good time revisiting this, and I just think it's. I really just wanted to talk about this from a video game history point of view once again because it's underappreciated it's kind of contribution to all of this hmm. Hmm. so what about you guys? Vaporwave um, yeah video game history wise this is very important it should be in every single history book of like hey guys this is how we move shit forwards hmm. uh, with, with bold, bold leaps uh, we choose to add a, a second dual stock joysticks onto the controller, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Yes. Um, uh, PlayStation One platformers, though, remain elusive for me. Uh, the vehicle combat one, I think, I enjoy because it is—it's fine to be a bit clunky. It doesn't need to be as precise. Uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy playing it so much, but video game history-wise, this is very oh, important. And you know, the soundtrack you know what bad. I need to do for hyperfixation? One that might tempt well, you back. Um, vehicle combat games because I have every one that's worth talking about <laughs> and we could do one one day where you guys just come around and we just multiplayer every vehicle combat game worth playing um, and just talk about there them all is, as one big topic I think you just there is the best vehicle combat there are the best, best vehicle combat game that exists which is uh, mashed uh, fully loaded on uh, the PlayStation I've got 2 that. Yeah. I, I, I will play that game for like 48 hours straight I love it yeah so that's much. a great game what are you going to say Claire? I think you just sparked like a vague high school memory where you invited me around to your house to play like this game where you're like a clown in a car and you just crush other cars Twisted Metal? And, yes and you tried okay. to get me to play it and I couldn't figure it out oh yeah sure 
Um, yeah, I probably did that. I was a bit cringe in high school. Um, but it was all... So... Who among us weren't? I also loved com- vehicle combat games. I still do. Because um, what we could do is we could do all the classic PS1 era ones, and then we could go to the most recent PS3 Twisted Metal, which is a underrated game in its own. But anyway, we're talking about different ideas. We're talking shop now. So... Yeah. Um, but... It might all be irrelevant, because I believe you have an announcement to make, Goldie. Uh, yes, I am uh, leaving the vaulted heights of the podcasting world uh, for the other vaulting heights of home ownership and uh, reading the books that my partner uh, has been desperately asking me to get to. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll be taken, taken off from the podcast. I might turn up every now and then uh, as a guest star uh, but until then uh, thank you to all of our loyal fans including that one person in Ireland shout out to my boy one uh, person in Ireland yep one uh, day we may have two people in Ireland one day cool. imagine alright so uh, but yeah it's been, it's been great yeah so what we'll be doing in the meantime is we're queuing up some guest people so we'll kind of it'll be me and Claire going forward with a rotating like different person each time introducing us to something new mm-hmm. it's a general idea with the occasional me introducing other people depending on how it goes and we'll see where we go from there where we're going into brave new worlds we are we're also we're, looking to get a better sound setup so the sound guy left season two season two yeah i guess um, even though we're not really... I don't anticipate there will be any kind of gap between podcasts, but if there is, that is why. So um, while we get our shit together, in effect. But anyway, in the meantime, if you wish to contact us, it's uh, hyperfixationpod at gmail.com. Would you like that to... Is... Yeah, there we go. One last time. <laughs> hyperfixationpod at gmail.com. Ah, yes. Yeah, there we go. So... Um, we don't know what our next topic will be because it's probably going to be a guest topic at this stage so you guys will find out in real time so enjoy that and in the meantime thank you everyone for listening see you around bye